Hello and welcome to the NFL Puddle with me, Ralph Farthing. And as per usual, my good friend Rob Deacon is joining me. How are you, Rob? Are you okay? Yes, very good. Looking forward to discussing all the drama of a full, full slate. No buys this weekend. So a full 16 games from week 12. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've both had haircuts. We're both looking a little bit more streamlined, even though the weather is cold. Yeah. So we'll probably both be sporting hats for the next couple of weeks, <laughs> at least, well, maybe a couple of months, the way that things are in Scotland. Right. As you say, last week, full set of games, three on Thanksgiving Day, but one on the Friday. And then we had a, a, a bump on the Sunday. And then we had the, just the one game on Monday. Well, we're going to pick three each. And we're going to pick six. So let's hear it. That is a pick six. Oh, yes. This is definitely a pick six. Robbie, which game are you going to start with? What have you got? Well, what shall I start with? I'll start off with a game that we, you know, was excited when we talked about it last week, uh, but was Jaguars-Texans. It mm. was, you know, a hard one to call. You know, Texans obviously really flourishing under Stroud and Jags had slightly mixed fortune since their return from the bye and it ended up being a really close game but the Jags won Mm 24-21 interesting to see that Trevor Lawrence still trying to up his fantasy scores and and get running (laughs) touchdowns you know that that doesn't go unnoticed past our BDIs but also what the great thing was is that they call it a sneak, but in fact, most of him didn't actually get over the touchdown line. It was just his hand and, and all six foot five of him just reaching over, over the, the plane, as they call it, and scoring there. So that was that was great to see. It was also great to see my most recent fantasy pickup. Shut up, Rob. Somebody who, who Ralph knows particularly well. <laughs> Yeah, I drop him. Rob Ridley. picks him up. Yeah, great. I'm so <laughs> pleased for you, Rob. So pleased. <laughs> Bad boy Ridley have another good game. 89 yards, uh, five receptions and a touchdown. But the Texans did lots of things really well. Stroud threw for 304 yards and his own running touchdown, passing to Collins and, and Tank Dell. But in the end, it came down to the Texans getting down the field, you know, c- connecting and making some plays on a really nice drive. Mm-hmm. And they had a field goal attempt to level it in the dying seconds. And Amandola, who's their quite recent kicker pickup. That's not easy went to say, for it, it? <laughs> went, went for it from 50 odd yards and it doinked on the crossbar and bounced off not over so mm-hmm. unfortunately they couldn't take it to uh, overtime but it made for another thrilling Texans game they've had some really wild kind of exciting finishes over the last few weeks the Texans you know giving games a good run for the money the last couple they got games that they've won in the last in the dying minutes so but they couldn't they couldn't take it to overtime this time but it was it was a great game and it puts the Jags in a great position at eight and three in the AFC South did you have any thoughts on that one Ralph I watched it yeah, I thought the, the most interesting part of it for me is the fact that obviously Trevor Lawrence is touted as this generation of quarterback. And then we've got this guy that's come through who didn't even get first pick in the draft of CJ Stroud, who is, is proving to be a generational quarterback. You know, the things that he's doing this year are fantastic. He hasn't got the weapons that um, Big Trev has at Jacksonville when he's down there at Houston, but they're creating really great games, aren't they? And it almost felt... That was almost like a college game with them two playing. It felt almost that slightly a bit more exciting and a little bit more kind of wild. Travis Etienne, what a great game he had. He's by far their leading running back. Great play from, from the whole team, I thought, from Jacksonville. And Houston just 
couldn't quite make it, as you said. And what was your first game to caught your eye? Um, there was a few good games last week, but I've kind of gone for some off-the-wall ones, to be honest. I was tempted to talk about the Steelers-Bengals because we saw a slightly different kind of game from the Steelers and I was made me quite happy. But the first game I'm going to talk about is a game we kind of slightly mocked last week, but thought of the comedic response that could be happening from Gardner and Baker, who I realised at the end of last week's pod that it was so funny that they've both got vocations as forenames. <laughs> I thought... I'm going to give this a go and watch the whole thing. And, oh, my God, I wasn't disappointed. What a game. Gardner Minshew is doing extraordinary things, and I think he's being underappreciated by a lot of the pundits. I think they don't think he should be doing what he's doing because, obviously, he had that pretty tough start at Jacksonville and didn't do too much there. It was him and Fitzpatrick kind of swapping roles and really didn't do too much. But then he went and played back up at the Eagles last year, Played a couple of games, didn't, you know, he's no Jalen Hurts, it's got to be said. You know, Jalen Hurts fits that scheme that they're running there much better than Gardner Minshew. But I think he picked up some extra things and what he's brought to the Colts this year after Anthony Richardson dropped and then suddenly he's been thrown back into the fray of being their QB1 for the rest of the season. And I, I really like him as a player and I thought, yeah, he, he had some really great moments in there. Once again, did the shimmy, the shoulders came out, did his little celebration, some really nice passing, some really really nice running. If we just look at the box score for that game, we've got like a 66-67-ish completion rate for his passing. Same with Baker, very similar. Uh, Baker went off, which I thought was going to be the end of Baker Mayfield for the game, but then he came back. Yeah, there was a, a great moment of the stone got rolled away and Baker Mayfield came running back out onto the pitch again. It, there was Brilliant moments that we saw a lot of Rashad White for a change. We saw a lot more of Jonathan Taylor. He's now come back into that running back role. Zach Moss is less involved, but still doing quite a bit. It looked like the Colts were way more in control, but the Bucks just kept making the most of their opportunities. There was Mike Evans kind of being really boisterous. Chris Godwin looked a bit so-so, but Pittman, Downs, Mo Ali Cox for the Colts. It was just an exciting game to watch. I really enjoyed the toing and froing and the drama. Did you catch any of it, Rob? Uh, I just caught the highlights, but also watched the bits on Red Zone as it flitted in, be- in between. It was fun, and obviously it was a game that we got excited about for its for maverick potential mm-hmm. and didn't actually disappoint in that respect. And, and even though I think uh, the Colts, as you say, went two scores up, the Bucks kind of pulled it back. Baker had a nice little go in the fourth quarter and a nice drive and just making plays to kind of bring it to a one-possession game. And Yeah, he managed to spangle himself in one of those angry runs you like to talk about as well, Rob. Um, and that was when he went off for that short period. But he got sacked six times on Sunday. You know, he took a real beating for the team, but he seems to bounce back. He's like made of rubber most of the time. It's great. Yeah, but yeah, fun game. My second game, which I'm going to talk about, it was this was the primetime Sunday night game with two teams looking very smart in their uniforms. The uh, Baltimore Ravens with their white tops and, and, and purple shorts looking mm-hmm. very smart with a black helmet. And then the Chargers looking super, super sharp. In Love their, that uh, Love it. In their rarely worn, but very, very cool looking kind of navy fits with, with like a, a yellow bolt outline and stuff like that, with, with the white helmet, with the navy inside the bolt. It's mm. all very, very smart, very cool. And so they were two great looking teams producing maybe not the, the the world's most exciting game, but there was there were things that were interesting about it. Talk about the Chargers first. 
really interesting to see Herbert's keeping on running it. Again, he's looking at his fantasy numbers and trying to get those up. Four runs for 47 yards. And because he's got those really long legs, you know, <laughs> if, he, if he starts getting a bit of headway, he can really get some serious yardage. So that was interesting to see. And look, I know we should talk about him later, but to talk about the full context of the game, another tight end scoring. We had Stone Smart the other week. Yep. We've had Parham earlier this thing. We had Gerald Everett scoring the sole Chargers touchdown and gave uh, 43 yards as well. Second in receiving behind the ubiquitous Keenan Allen, who again had another 100-yard game. He's just having such a, a rich year in forms. But part of the problem with the Chargers that game was they were a little bit careless of the ball and not keeping it too well. Three fumbles. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, and maybe some of the decision-making with Herbert in some of the drives just wasn't great. There's a little now pressure on Brandon Staley so much over the years since Staley's been head coach he's had these cojones and been made some really bold calls and Mm -hmm. and they've nearly always paid off but not quite so much this year on the Ravens side of things Lamar didn't actually throw for that much only 177 yards which Mm -hmm. you know is kind of when you're kind of under 200 yards you generally quite often kind of have a limited chance to win with that kind of passing game but what they did have and what was exciting to see was our man Zay Flowers take all the spoils and score two touchdowns, but with two of the best celebrations of the weekend as well. <laughs> so glad you're going to mention it. I saw this, one of which invo- involved yeah. the bouquet of flowers, didn't it? <laughs> exactly. His first touchdown was the bridal bouquet of flowers, holding it and, uh, and chucking it over his shoulder for one of his t- team buddies to catch. And, and then what was this was what was great, actually, was they were on the final drive. All that the Ravens had to do was get another first down, and then you could kind of kneel and win the game and stuff. And so that, and, and, and in fact, there was a team instruction, as I understand, of saying, no mass, no more that we weren't going to cut to score. But what happened, and actually it's a really interesting play, is that was a, a sweep from Flowers uh, past Lamar Jackson. He, if you look at it, Jackson, and I don't think Jackson wanted to give it away at that, took it, found a seam, ran for 30-odd yards, and then he saw the touchdown line, and he wasn't going to kind of go down on the, on the one-yard line and follow team instructions. He was there to get his you know rookie glory moment. So he scored the touchdown. He clearly had his celebration lined up, which was a very smart, should I say, football or soccer celebration of putting the ball down <laughs> and scoring a penalty kick. Um, it was the Ronaldo, wasn't it? And, he did the uh, Ronaldo which spin. Was, which was, <laughs> yes. And then and then did the Ronaldo sue afterwards as well. So uh, he didn't follow team instructions. He did get the touchdown. He had a great celebration. But in fact, actually, even though, you know, obviously a team will say, look, don't do anything to compromise or risk when you can just get first down and wind down the clock. There's something, I think, about scoring more touchdowns, increasing your points differential, and also making a score that's more reflective of the actual game itself. You know, and, and, yeah. and the kind of quality difference rather than just having a final score, which would have been 13-10 and with just one touchdown for the Ravens. It was just lovely to see those moments for Flowers. Inter- Mitchell got another kind of good yardage. The Gus bus has stopped and maybe it's broken down somewhere, <laughs> but it's he's definitely not getting much much use. Definitely Keaton Mitchell's the main man in, in terms of the running stuff at the moment. It was an, an interesting grain, but great to see Zay Flowers' performance. That was so exciting. Really good to see Keaton Mitchell kind of taking the lead 
on that, you know, for the running. Yeah. Uh, as you say, the Gus bus is kind of looks like it's parked up, getting a bit of servicing. But the crazy thing, which you kind of mentioned with Justin Herbert kind of doing more with his legs, just like we saw from Big Trev, is that Justin Herbert was their lead rusher this week which was insane and there was one moment i remember i was watching i only watched the highlights i didn't watch a bit of it on red zone and then watched the highlights after um but there was a moment where justin herbert broke up the flank and you could see he actually broken free and he really just didn't want to be there you can tell it was like it was like oh my god what do i do now does this mean i've got to run (laughs) you could see him computing all of the kind of the accidents that could happen at that moment in time. But yeah, it was a great run. And I think he got like 22, 23 yards just off that one burst, mm. which got him half yards that he got for rushing that day. But as you say, Zay Flowers, what performance from him. Mm. I, you know, I don't think that his stats actually amount to how impactful such a small guy was for that team at the weekend. I thought he was really, really impressive. Absolutely. So you must have been but pleased also- with the Ravens win, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, no, we're really happy. And that also puts them outright top number one seed in the AFC as well at nine and three. And now they've got the bye week. That was that they, crazy back and it. forth of the AFC, wasn't it? You know, the Dolphins started the yes. day as AFC yes. and then somebody came after them. Then it was the Chiefs and then it finished the day on the Ravens. There was four different teams that were leading the AFC during one day. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah it was so tight at the top. <laughs> Yes. That's still got a lot of yardage there. To, it could go in any of those four ways for that person to get that buy at the start of the playoffs, couldn't they? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My next game, I think I'm going to do Broncos versus Browns, or Browns versus Broncos, I think it was. I don't generally want to or like to talk about Russell Wilson and the Broncos because of their stinky year last year. But I do think we need to talk about this. And I do think we need to talk about how this is starting to come together. That whatever Sean Payton is doing with Russell Wilson and the rest of that team, it's starting to work. And it's starting to work really well. Obviously, the Browns are injured, um, didn't have a huge to offer. DTR and Russell Wilson threw exactly the same number of yards, 134, which I found strange. But then PJ Walker did 56 yards. So in general, the Browns threw for more. But the Broncos did more with their stat line. The Browns, their rushing game was very good. We saw quite a bit from Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. But then evenly on the other side, the Broncos with Williams and Pirine, they look really good. And even Russell Wilson, he was back to his old self, using his legs a little bit more and making the most of his running game, which he didn't do the week before. They just seem to be getting it, don't they, Rob? Yeah, I I mean... The Broncos aren't playing particularly amazing. If you look at Wilson's stat line, 134 yards is is not much. They kind of did it a bit through the ground game. Also, the Browns slightly shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Mm -hmm. They definitely are suffering not having Deshaun Watson under centre. DTR, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, with a very similar stat line, not great obviously got dropped as, as mm-hmm. for PJ Walker to have a go as well. And you know what? The whole team were pretty loose with the football. And and uh, I made a note, five fumbles. If you're having that, and a number of them obviously becoming turnovers as well, out of your 10 or 12 drives, that's just, that's really kind of compromising your chance of getting it down, no matter how well your running game is kind of doing, you know, with Ford and Perrine. And then there's the defensive play, which I'll talk about later, which was possibly one of my favourite plays of the weekend. Yeah, it was, a, it was pretty much a fumble fest for the quarterbacks you know russ wilson had two pj yeah. walker had two 
And then ETR had one as well. That's not really great, is it? The people you are hoping to look after the ball the most, that they're the people that are giving up five fumbles, three for one team and two for the other. That's not very good. Your next game, Robbie. What did you have? My last game was the Chiefs Raiders. It was in in Vegas, an AFC West matchup. Interestingly, the the Raiders went out early and went two scores up, and it was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Seeing the Chiefs go down and things were kind of clicking quite well. And on the Raiders side of the thing, just to talk about what they did do well, Jacobs playing really well. Oh, 20, yeah. really uh, good. 20 touches, 110 yards and a touchdown and stuff like that. He was a, a key part of that kind of early dominance. Aidan O'Connell was through well and there was a good passing game to especially Myers and Adams had a very similar stat lines, although Myers got the, got the receiving touchdown. So that was all good. However, what happened was that the Chiefs just basically took over. Things started clicking and firing. Pacheco scored a couple of touchdowns. And also, interestingly, and we haven't seen this all season from the Chiefs, is that Rasheed Rice, who has kind of scored a few touchdowns and stuff, suddenly became what felt like the WR1. Eight receptions, 107 yards and a touchdown, and was the primary target over Travis Kelsey, who had 90-odd yards off six receptions. And they also had Justin Watson score a one-catch wonder touchdown. But basically what you saw was the Chiefs' offense starting to fire and the emergence of Rashi Rice as the kind of preferred target. And it'll be really interesting to see if he stays that way and that connection has really started to be built up and understand it with Mahomes. That was really positive to see that they had a particular target and it was working. Um, it wasn't Travis Kelsey, although he did get quite a bit of ball. You know, it wasn't as much about the Mahomes-Kelsey show. It was more about Mahomes looking around and getting it to different people and it working most of the time. Myers and Adams for the Raiders, when they're keyed up, they look quite similar They wear numbers 16 and 17. You know, there's lots of similarities there. Their numbers at the weekend were almost exactly the same, but it was just literally Myers got six yards more and scored that touchdown. I was watching the beginning of the game and I was thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen here? The Raiders look like they're going to absolutely dominate the Chiefs. And then suddenly it was almost like a switch was flipped and the Chiefs just turned it on completely. Went from being bog standard average to being clinical and direct literally within seconds and it didn't seem to be a flashpoint they didn't leave the pitch the Raiders scored their second touchdown and the Chiefs came out they played the same as they had been playing and then they got like to a first down situation I think a connection with Kelsey and then suddenly from then on Mahomes throwing just seemed to snap into place Rice just seemed to get the ball that much a little bit easier. And it just seemed to stick together so better, including that crazy one target, one touchdown for Justin Watson, who'd been terrible the week before. And then just made, you know, but then that averages for this week, he's got 100% in comparison to last week, where he got like 10 or 20, something like that. It was a really good game. It made me feel slightly more confident about what the Chiefs can do for the rest of the season, because I've been a doubter in them, to be honest, because of what's been going on. But there wasn't so much about Taylor Swift this week, but, you know, Kelsey seemed to be a little bit more focused. It was a much better game from the Chiefs from about second quarter onwards, first quarter as they have been, and then the second quarter onwards, they look decent. 
Yeah, maybe Taylor was at the casino. Maybe Kelsey said, look, you, st- you don't go to the game this time. You go to the casino or go and see Adele at her residency or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Maybe Taylor's yeah. just got herself signed up for a new contract in Vegas. Travis exactly. was having a bit of a celebration. He'd been let off the leash. My last game, just as you've picked a marquee game between the Chiefs and the Raiders, my big game was the Bills versus Eagles. You could walk into this game thinking that the Bills have been pretty so-so this season, some good games, some not so good games, and you wondered what was going to happen. But by halftime, we had a game. Josh Allen, he's still getting criticism because they lost the match. But the things that he did in that game, you know, I think, I can't remember, one of the commentators said that he's, he's like big Ben Roethlisberger, and he was, he was just, he had guys hanging off him, and he was still powering his way through. He scored two great touchdowns, you know, one of which was kind of just sure doggedness, the other one was sleight of hand and foot and just working. He looked great, but then at other times, his passing was really erratic, he was making decisions that just didn't kind of sit well. And it's, it, he would give me palpitations. If I was a Buffalo Bills fan, I would, I'd, have, I'd have lost it, to be honest. Him and Hertz got almost exactly the same completion percentage, but Hertz just did a hell of a lot more with it. And in that second half, and to crown it all off with that amazing touchdown at the end, when if somebody had turned around to you and said, oh, Hertz scored a touchdown in uh, overtime, it had been, yeah, brotherly shove, that's how he got it. But it was anything but that. Got the ball and the sleight of hand of what went on, of the, the players went everywhere, pulling all the defence everywhere. And it just left this massive gap for him to run through. And he just glided through this gap and scored a really, really nice, clean touchdown. Yeah, it was, yeah, that was really good. Devontae Smith once again led receptions for the Eagles. Davis got more more than Diggs, and Diggs has been kicking off on Twitter again after this, you know, and that's the the unfortunate thing for the Bills, is the fact that it looks like the relationship between Diggs and Allen isn't very good, and somebody needs to kind of work on that to get it better. Micah Hyde got six tackles, worked really hard, you know, the the Bills' defense worked really hard, Kevin Byard for the Eagles got 13 tackles, you know, that's huge numbers. Both teams defensively were battling it out. It was a rough and tumble game and it was set apart by the finesse of Hertz and the barnstorming kind of blitzing of Josh Allen. I presume you watched as much of it as you could, Rob, because it was a fantastic game. I watched I watched a bit of it live, then went to bed and then caught the highlights. But yeah, just a great drama. Bills, although they don't have a, a particularly good record this year, they, they have a good side and they've lost most of their games by very close points. And, 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 and even this, they were ahead. Eagles pulled it back, went to overtime. They went and scored a field goal with their drive. So pressure was on for the Eagles to make their drive count because if they don't, then they lose the game. But... Um, you know, so to, to, for the for the Hurts to get that walk off uh, um, running a touchdown into the end zone was was quite the drama, and mm. uh, yeah, it was it was just great. It's it, it it's uh, it's two top teams going going at it and playing a, a proper kind of shootout game um, because they've just got general such quality, especially at the quarterback position. I just hope that we see the same of that from Josh Allen for the rest of the season. If he can play like that. And just get it through. I think that's much better. 
but I just hope that him and Diggs can work it out. Yeah, the problem with the, the, those Bills is that they've just got a really tough schedule to finish out mm-hmm. the, the regular season. Really tough. They've got the Chiefs coming up. They've got the bye week, and then they come into the Chiefs, don't they? And I really want to see yeah. that game. That's that's one game I'm really busting to see because I think that will tell us whether or not the Chiefs do have it or not because that's a really good test. Yeah, and then so they go the Chiefs into the Cowboys, who are obviously having an excellent season. Mm-hmm. Chargers, who are so-so. Patriots, yeah, so-so. And then finishing off with the Dolphins, which for the Bills... <laughs> They, that, that could be, a, you know, their game to secure a playoff position and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's tough for them. And so, I mean, obviously the Dolphins they have to play twice because that's in their in, in their division. But but some of that is obviously their their kind of you know rank one seeding and playing kind of division winners of that. And 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 this is where it's kind of it, it's going at the sharp end for them. But yeah, great to see that competitiveness. You know, really interesting to see what the Bills can do in in these last five regular season games. It's crazy to think they're six and six. Yeah, you know? twelve games down, and they are six and six. You know, and they're still the second in their division because they've got the bumbling Jets and Patriots knocking along behind them. They've lost stupid games. Oh. They were winning all that game, the whole game, and then the Jets managed to take it to overtime, and then they got that. Uh, was it punt return or kick return kind of all the way to the house? Yeah, there's been a few of those and they got beaten by the Broncos just and all those things. But the fact is, is you know that if the Bills come back at it right, they could finish the season 11 and 6. Those, yep. You know, if Bills play to their full potential, they can do that. And then with that kind of record, they'll be definitely in the playoffs. And, and who knows what you can do if you kind of win five in the row, you know, going into the playoffs. You know, you'll be a hot team. So although they're not sitting in the playoff positions at the moment, I do fancy them, even with their challenging schedule, to, uh, to, to, to push through. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was a pick six. Second one of the season for us. We might talk about some other people that have got pick sixes or interceptions coming up in our back sacks and sacks section. But for now, do you know what, Robbie? Let's call on Mrs. Miggins. I fancy a really good cup of tea because I think we've got a good cup of tea this week. Time for tea, fathers. Right. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Um, why, why don't you start? Why don't you start? Okay, well, I'll mention something. That you were talking about the Ravens earlier, and we, we, we just spoke very nicely about Zay Flowers. But the leader or, or the receiving leader for the Ravens last week was not Zay Flowers, but the likely lad himself, Isaiah Likely. Covering yes. from Mark Andrews. Great. He had a good time, right? Four targets. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a huge amount. But 40 yards, so 10 yards to target. That's impressive stuff for Mr. Likely. That's good running. Absolutely. And also, that's literally almost the first thing he's done all season, right? I mean, obviously, he does play second fiddle to Andrews and doesn't get mm. really a much of a look in. But, uh, you know, good to see him make a little mark and sit and see if he can build from that, if that trust is, is building up and, and that, that rapport. And then you spoke about Gerald Everett briefly earlier. Yeah. I watched that game. He was dominant in that game. He was everywhere and he was physical. 
He looked great in that uniform, you know, however uniform, but he looked great in that uniform and he really was hammering people and really bright, earning his yards at the weekend. Just an absolute menace. You know how hard the ball can be thrown by Justin Herbert, but he was just doing a valiant effort, effort to be super grabber hands and just the ball stuck to his hands and he was bouncing people off him. An amazing stiff arm that he put on one of, I think it was either the safety or the cornerback, just unbelievable performance from Everett. I thought that was like, he's been missing most of the season, part of it with injury, but he came back into that game this weekend and looked like the tight end one for the Chargers. Absolutely. Another tight end performance that caught my eye. It wasn't enough to win the game, but was uh, our rookie, Laporte, who who, who got a a great touchdown uh, Mm -hmm. in, in that first game on Thanksgiving. He's just having an absolute season, isn't he? You know, he was about the only thing that went right for the Lions. That was a really disappointing performance from them. Yeah. You know, neither of us expected it. You know, we did our predictions last week, and I think both of us said that we felt that the Lions were going to dominate the Packers. But the Packers just turned up. Just an amazing performance. I don't know. They just looked distracted and, and... confused they just didn't look like they were there i don't know whether it was the whole thanksgiving kind of day game or whether or not they just got kind of overshadowed by the whole circumstance but it just didn't look like them they were at home they should have looked comfortable didn't happen yeah and they should have won on for thanksgiving for the first time in years you know because they've always they they always host and, and they always get beaten and somebody else is taking the turkey uh <laughs> and again it happened this year when on a year that you just didn't expect but yeah it just it didn't happen for them at all george kittle uh, was very quiet wasn't he for want, the Niners. he was but everyone else got in on the action in, in that game, it was it was spread across. CMC got a lot of the action. Samuel Ayuk, they've got so many weapons. So if Kittle has a quiet game and or is not targeted much or is just is blocking Kittle, you know they don't worry about uh, that. They ping it around to everyone else and make and make short short shrift for the opposition. I think he had a quiet game, but they grabbed a whole turkey off the Thanksgiving table when they were doing the commentary at the end, <laughs> and he went and handed it over to the crowd. I think he ruffled a few feathers. <laughs> that was his biggest part of the day for him, really. He was, yeah, less. I think less than 10 fancy points and, you know, just not his usual self at all. For the Browns, Njoku was their leading receiver. Another kind of dashing game from him and his black and white pair. I think the biggest performance of the week for me, tight end-wise, is one of your favourite tight ends, Rob. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Matt Canada leaving the building, which nobody ever saw coming in the fact that they did Mm. something so rash mid-season. A team that has not ever got rid of a a coach midway through the season in the last 40 or 50 years, something like since the 60s or something. They got rid of (laughs) Matt Canada. And almost, you know, this whole process of you, you lose a coach and it seems to springboard your team. A great game by Kenny Pickett looked so much better in the pocket, so it looked so much better at the quarterback, almost as if that's how he should have done when we looked at him pre-season. We thought that's the way it was going to go. And Fryermuth was there for that. And then Fryermuth got injured and Pickett's been pretty rubbish the whole season. Now Fryermuth's back and, oh my God, the Steelers actually looked really good. And, I, you know, and I wouldn't have said that about the rest of the season at all. They looked decent. Pickett was good. And it's going to get better because Pickens comes back potentially this week. Minka Fitzpatrick looks like he's going to start training again this week. 
So they could have a really, really solid end to the season. And we're looking at a potential winning season and maybe a wildcard entry into the playoffs. No, absolutely. Fire move, big, big performance. And what was interesting, he came back last week, only had one catch, one reception, and, and it really limited targeting. And it was completely, completely different this week. It was 11 targets, nine receptions, and for 120 yards, he was immense. Receptions leader and uh, absolutely setting the standard for tight ends this weekend. He kind of balanced what was going on with that great Warren-Harris partnership that we discussed, that great two-headed running back. And all they were looking for is great receivers as well. Fryer missed that. If Pickens now drops in as well, they've got the full complement if Pickett can still keep you know, his mind on the game and play as well as he did at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So that was, that was definitely the most eye-catching tight end performance of the weekend. On the other hand, I feel like we need to come up with a name for this. We had two <laughs> tight ends who literally only had one catch, one target, all game, <laughs> but they get them one moment and they score a touchdown with it. And I don't know whether it should be T-related and it should be like one dunk wonders or something, but I feel like we need to have something to, to celebrate that. So you had Drew Sample. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I saw that. He uh, popped up with a touchdown. And then you also, at the Broncos, you had Adam Troutman, Sean Payton's tight end guy with Dulcich, nowhere to be seen anymore. Yeah. And he only, he, he had exactly the same. One catch, one reception, you know, obviously red zone moment and gets the touchdown, but doesn't get any usage apart from that. So at least these players are getting used and getting used at key points and, you know, obviously maybe not getting strong coverage because people aren't expecting to see them. You know, they haven't been targeted. And then suddenly... I've got a name for it. It's going to be called the Rich Tea. It's a biscuit that you can only dunk once. Rich Tea, yes. That's it. And then it's yes. done. Yes. And because there's a single a dunking. Rich, and it's right. What it is? It's rich, isn't it? It's a, yeah. Okay. It's yes. the rich tea of tight ends. Very nice. There. We've, Very we've nice. created there we it. Go. <laughs> Easy writing it down. Good. Thanks. We'll remember that for next week, Bobby. So what about your new team, Rob? What about the Rams? Have they got any tight ends that are actually doing any work? Well, they, they haven't had all season until Sunday. Tyler Higby, who's a big lad, and he popped up with two early touchdowns, really set the Rams on their way. So funny because he's, he's, he's hardly had anything and there's been very little connection with Stafford this season. He stole all the glory from Cup and Tua uh, and uh, him, and then alongside an extremely impressive performance by Kyron Williams, yeah. over 200 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns meant that those Rams just walked away with that game from, with the Cardinals. It was quite an interesting result. I don't think most people expected that kind of separation of score, but no, you know, Higby was a huge part of it. No, Stafford and the boys look good. You know, that Pukunakua is just like a really direct runner. Higby, yeah, he looked back on form. You wonder whether it's going to be the kind of like peaks and troughs of similar tight end work where you just they pop up and then disappear for a bit and then pop up again but as you said Kyron Williams fantastic for them to have Higby being a target for as a tight end and just grabbing hold of the ball and making it easy for Stafford to then open up with Kyron Williams just running it so hard on the ground that was a pretty consummate performance from them. TJ Hawkinson only touchdown for the Vikings to score 50 yards reception five targets sorry five 
five catches. And look, it would have been so hard to say at the beginning of the season that he was going to be the number one tight end as the season stands. But you would have had to kind of almost predict that Jefferson would get injured and, and he has. But obviously, that, but Hawkinson's been like that right from the beginning of the season. He's been a, a major target and had similar issue amount of targets as, as Jefferson. And then for obviously for, for him to go out injured has, has allowed Hawkinson to shine even more. You know, and like I said, he leads the way it, it, for, for, for that position. But what do we say about the rest of the Vikings, Rob? And that get they weren't any well, the part biggest thing- or patch on what they have been recently, were they? It was no, and, really disappointing. And, yeah, and Dobbs threw four inceptions right after the, the all this excitement of what he's done since he came in, and then it all fell apart a little bit. But also give some credit to the the Bears D yes. as well because they, and which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Do you have any other tight ends uh, from this weekend? No, I can't think of any other tight ends. Not right now. So does that mean we move on to the painful sound of backs, sacks, and yaks, and the wax? Oh, oh, oh my, oh. Now, are we sack-a-yacking, sack-a-macking? What, what are we going for? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, on that rhyming front, I feel like if you were talking backs, sacks, yaks, sacks, max, Khalil Mack, he had another great game, two sacks and a tackle for loss. Uh, obviously wasn't enough to topple the Ravens, but he certainly led the way and made it difficult for the Ravens to score more in a Ravens team that have been effective all season long. That was on that side. On the other side of the ball, you had Morley interception, and then you had forced fumbles from Jadavian Clowney, Patrick Queen, and Roquan Smith. Though that Ravens D just made the Chargers spill the ball a lot with their tough tackling and getting sacks and tackle for losses and all those kind of things. So Ravens playing another excellent defensive game as they do and have done all season. Just the absolute physicality of the Ravens, both in defense and in offense, they just absolutely hammer teams when they've got the ball in hand they're not scared to kind of make contact and then when they're trying to get the ball back again they're just brutal with people it's unbelievably physical and and that's been in their dna ever since they were formed in the mid 90s i don't know if you've found out but there's they had a guy called ray lewis uh, mm, who yeah. was when they were first around and he's just kind of a beast and they're kind of demo, you know dem- demolition man and just kind of knocking <laughs> kind of you know attackers flying and, and he kind of helped set that dna and that's what they've they've been and since getting back into the sport it was always that interesting thing everyone talking about the baltimore defense the baltimore d and da, 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 and you and uh, since i've been following the game closely it's been absolutely there and, and almost feels like it's at its pinnacle at the moment because they're just playing at such a great clip. What defensive performances caught your eye? Well, one, one defensive moment caught our eye when we were in the pub on Friday night when we were watching the Miami Dolphins versus the Jets game. But we were sat there not fully concentrating, having a couple of drinks, and suddenly there was this amazing moment happening on the screen in front of us. And we couldn't work out if it was a kick return or whether it was an interception. And it was an amazing pick six, wasn't it? Which which player was it, Rob, who picked the six? Javon Holland. The footwork on him was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And it was a Hail Mary pass from Tim Boyle just before the end of the second half. And we we had all stopped watching because it was just kind of looked like it was going to go to nothing or that maybe they were punt because the Jets were flailing on another drive. But yeah, it was a remarkable bit of skill. But that wasn't the only great defensive part of the Dolphins. I mean, obviously they're playing against the Jets who can't really get much going. 
But across that whole team, there were seven sacks on Tim Boyle. And I mean, it, it's that thing that, you know, obviously that offensive line at the Jets is really leaky, right? And they, that... Yeah. That has got to be something that they've got to correct. And Aaron Rodgers would be suffering with that offensive line. He might have a slightly better stat line than the other guys and maybe be able to get it out a bit quicker and slightly better decision-making. But, uh, you know, that's really tough for them. Not so much boiling a bag, but boiling a sack. Yeah, it was... And uh, linebacker Jalen Phillips, who had such a kind of sterling defensive performance last week alongside Ramsey, had another great one against Mm. the Jets with a sack of three tackles for losses. But then, you know, pulled up later on in the game with an injury, which is now an Achilles. They found it as an Achilles thing, took him out of the game and he's out for the rest of the season. So he's suddenly just having this little kind of great bell of, of form of somebody who has kind of struggled to find his way in place and having these two great games but now he's out for the rest of the season and I don't know if you've seen but they've brought in Pierre Paul who used to be at the Bucks and then the Ravens and and, you know obviously won the Super Bowl with the Bucks part of that Mm. defensive line and stuff he's now the Dolphins have brought him into place Jalen Phillips so he's going to go straight into that starting lineup and see what he can do um, for the Dolphins in for their running for you know in the AFC Another Jalen that's doing well is Jalen Carter for the Eagles who is proving himself in his rookie year Obviously, he had the questions about who he was as a player and a person on the build-up to the draft, and is proving that he's got an edge to him that is making him invaluable to that defensive line. He's, he is a disruptor. He is a man-mountain. You know, when you see him trotting around, you know, he's next to big guys, and he still looks big as a young player. I can't imagine what his mum fed him up until the age of 16, <laughs> 17. You know, it didn't stunt his growth, let's put it that way. <laughs> Key defensive performance, though, you know, we discussed the Lions game earlier, didn't we, Rob? Um, We were talking about how much they didn't succeed. But that may have been down to one man, one man who scored three sacks. Rashawn Gary, I know you were interested in what he did. You know, that was a big part of the reason why the Packers won that game against the Lions, wasn't wasn't it? It was Rashawn Mm -hmm. Gary's performance. And not only with the sacks, but forcing fumbles as well and, and getting turnover balls. When you've got a player like that being that uh, disruptive and, and turning the ball over and tonking the quarterback like that, it's it, it, he he almost felt it like it was it was him and Jordan Love winning mm-hmm. that game almost single handedly, wasn't it for the Packers? A little bit of Lucas um, Van Ness as well. He did a little bit. He was quite. He made some yeah. very key points. There was a good tackle for loss that he made. There was a forced fumble. You know, there was some really nice moments there. For the Bills, Greg Rousseau, one of my favourite things, back-to-back plays, amazing tackle, using the t- touchline as his, an extra defender. May have been Swift, was running up against him, and he just shielded him and just took him across and just reduced the amount of yardage. It was great. And then came straight back off that. It was tackle for loss against against Hertz. I don't think it was a forced fumble, but Hertz really didn't have anywhere to go and didn't create. He just he got him right back on his heels. But yeah, back-to-back. Nice little purple patch from Greg Rousseau. So you talked about key defensive plays. Now, I think I have a real key defensive play for you. It was quite possibly my favourite defensive play of the whole year because it had some down on dirty PJ on PJ action in the the Broncos-Browns game. You had making a key play, PJ lock on PJ Walker, sack, force fumble, turnover ball, and uh, didn't pick it. But the lock, but it, the lock was key. Yeah, your favourite PJ. 
in the Dallas game, did we get Bland's record-breaking interception? Yeah, pick six, another one remarkable in that game, which was a real walk, kind of walk in the park for the Cowboys over the Commanders. It's an amazing season that he's having, Deron Bland. It's just a joy to see those come in. Uh, and you wonder what else he can do with six weeks of the, of the regular season to go. There's got to be another couple in there, you'd think, wouldn't you? At least. Yeah. That's going to add 50% onto that record, which is incredible. Very well done, that guy. But within a defensive team that no holds barred, no calls are given, you know, they're taking teams apart in defence, the Cowboys, aren't they? Even though they chucked 40 points on someone, it was not 31. I'm still not overly convinced. I don't know why. I don't know what Dak Prescott's going to have to do to convince me of his position as quarterback. Yeah, alongside the bland pick six, you had Parsons and Hawkins both racking up sacks and tackles, big tackles for losses. And really, the commanders offered nothing there. There were some key interceptions in the Saints-Falcons game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our favourite players, the Honey Badger, Tyrone Matthews, yeah, 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 popped yeah. up with two key late interceptions in the game, which just gave the, the Saints a, a chance in that game. But they didn't match up to Jesse Bates' pick six right near the beginning of the game, where he ran the, almost the full length, length of the pitch, 92 yards, and set the Falcons on, on a lead that they didn't really relinquish. And I, I know, I think we maybe expected a little bit more of the Saints. That alongside Bijan getting some serious action and stuff like that, you know, were the key components to, to the Falcons win there. Yeah, I suppose the Falcons is one team we haven't really mentioned. And the Falcons beat the Saints and looked good. It looked like Arthur Smith had actually just got his head together a little bit. In that game, we saw a lot more of Bijan. Bijan looked really good, scored an exceptional touchdown. The Saints, Steve, probably just didn't have a chance to get anywhere near him. He just His footwork is so good. His cadence is so good. That, that looked like a mature running back doing his job really, really well. And, you know, for a rookie, that was impressive. But a lot of people thought the Saints were going to win that match. I don't think anyone quite considered the fact that the Falcons were going to bring it together so well, and they did look good. One last player that I want to mention, the person you call the real Josh Allen, him and Walker were just all over the place again this weekend, competing for tackles, really working hard, putting pressure on CJ Stroud. He was hounded. Those two, as a combination, seem to work really, really well. I think that's some really good recruiting. They've found two people that complement each other there at Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Josh Allen's stat line was really impressive. Two and a half sacks and two tackles for losses. You know, that was part of the reason what Stroud a hard time. He, he was There was no quarter given there at all. Things to, to note in the Patriots-Giants game, super low scoring. Giants winning 10-7. to 7. The Giants got three pick. One which Okoreki took 55 yards. Thibodeau, again, was a real handful. Forced fumbles, sacks and tackles for losses. But also the Patriots managed as a team to kind of get six sacks on Tommy DeVito. So it was actually quite a game for defensive performances, although it did quite have a lot of punts in the first half. They were the main things to talk about there. I'd also like to talk up my man, Jeffrey Simmons at the Titans, okay. who, uh, he, who was just, again, you know, obviously we talked about his touchdowns that he scored last week. Him and alongside Autry, 
were a real handful for Bryce Young, really giving him a hard time. Simmons had a sack and three tackles for loss, but also had two fumble recoveries as well. So just key turnover moments. And Autry had two sacks, three tackles for loss. And that, alongside the King Henry's two running touchdowns, showed it was Titans were playing proper big boy football. When you're playing that against the lowly Panthers, there's only one way that game's going to go. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I love the sound of the hooter. It means that we're now looking to next week. I kind of like the uncertainty and I like the idea that we've still got an opportunity to see some big surprises or big changes ahead of us. The first game this week is probably not going to be a big surprise, but I say this and it might be a big surprise, who knows. But the lowly Seahawks are travelling to the Cowboys. Can Seattle do anything in Dallas? I sincerely doubt it. What do you think, Robbie? Yeah, no, I doubt it, especially in Dallas. Cowboys are so confident and competent at home. So for me, that's an easy Cowboys win. But it's a really nice Thursday night football matchup. Mm. I mean, the Seahawks have faltered a little bit recently. They're no Muppets, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do against the Cowboys. But yeah, for me, that's an easy one, Cowboys win. I think if they were making better use of their wide receivers, I think they'd stand a chance. But they just don't seem to be putting that part of the game together. Well, yeah, no, no, I think also, I mean, you've had Kenneth Walker's out injured, so they were now relying on their rookie, Zach Charbonnet, as the main runner. He's not quite getting the same production, and and then obviously it doesn't help the kind of play-action stuff, you know, so... And then a game that I think is actually going to be nicely balanced is we've got the Colts versus Titans, two very different teams. You've got this kind of more seasoned QB2 running out for the Colts, and you've now got this young Billy Jeans, Will Levis, playing for the Titans. Both quite mercurial players. After Derek Henry coming back into town last week, after looking like he was going to drift off the NFL planet. Yeah, this should be a good game, right? No, it really should. I- I'm excited about it. And and also a hard one to predict because, you know, certain things are clicking better with Will Levis there. What do you think, Rob? And, uh, where are you going to place your money? I'm going to go Titans because I, I like backing the Titans with Will Levis. I'm excited to see that journey and, and what he's doing there. I know convention would probably say Colts, but I, I, I like just to see okay, what then. they can do. And also, I would... Our first divergence has happened. I've gone Colts, you've gone Titans. Two underwhelming teams. The Chargers, I don't think, are reaching their capabilities, although Justin Herbert has found his legs. But the Patriots... Crikey. Yeah, I just I just think they need a, a fresh broom there. That's what it feels like to me. I just think they need a sweep out. Mm. Oh, I, I've I've gone for chargers. What do you think? Yeah, me too. Me too. Chargers as well. If they wear that really lovely navy blue again, I'll be very happy. But I doubt it. I quite like it. It's weird. It makes them look like motorcycle cops. Yes, it reminds me of <laughs> chips, if you remember the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we've got the hopeful, in my mind, bounce-back game for the Lions versus the Saints, even though it's down in NOLA. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Are you the same? Yeah, I'm the same, although, yeah, you know, the Saints at home in, in the is it Superdome, it's really noisy, and it is, it is one of the biggest kind of, kind of home-field advantages in the whole of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there just seems to be 
too many things not quite right with the Saints. I mean, all their points last weekend against the Falcons were from the, their young uh, rookie kicker groupies. But no, I'm back in the Lions to, for it all to click. They've got too many offensive weapons. It's the Caesars Superdome. Got a prefix. Never used to have that before, but now it's Caesars Superdome. They should all come out in togas. I'm sure that'd look great. <laughs> and then both on Lions. It's kind of, we kind of got to the, this point in the season where you're just a bit like, do we need to play these games? But the Falcons versus Jets, neither team has got that much of a hope. Can the Falcons get anything out of this season at all now? Yeah, they can because they're in the, in that incredibly weak NFC oh, South. So Christ, they're the top of their division. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was the whole thing about that game last weekend was it was a battle for top of NFC South uh, oh. between the Saints and the Falcons. So with a losing record, they're actually top of the NFC South. Yeah, they've got all to play for and... What a great chance for the Falcons to take the outright top position against the Jets. So I'm definitely back in the Falcons. Yeah, I think so too. But that's just so depressing, isn't it? <laughs> really is depressing to think that that's what it's come down to in that division. You know, the Bucks are four and seven, they're third, but the two teams above them are both on five and six. Ugh, disgusting. Yeah. Now, the ex-Mac Canada Steelers, my team, are playing against the Cardinals. The Angry Birds, as we like to call them. Yeah. Steelers all the way, Robbie. Are you backing me here? Are you going for it again? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. What used to be known as Heinz Field, but now the Acrosure Stadium. <laughs> well, um, there's, there's some of the crowd bring in a massive Heinz sign, don't they? <laughs> Which I think is brilliant. I think that's a great thing to do. And I think they, they, they suspend it over one of the tunnels as well. So when, when the cameras come in to see them either coming X entering the pitch, there's this massive Heinz sign. Good on them. Brilliant. So both con Steelers, Dolphins versus Commanders in Washington. Dolphins, definitely. They're riding right near the top of the AFC and uh, top of the AFC. Dolphins you know, for that. They're in that four-way split, aren't they? That they could, you know, if they, and hopefully that inspires them that they're going to push forwards. Now we've got CJ Stroud in Houston, but he's playing against this on-form Broncos. Where'd you go, Rob? I've gone Broncos, just to let you know. Do you think the Texans right. can turn them? Yes, I do. I think okay. they can lasso that bolting horse. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm excited about the Texans. I, and I feel like this could be also where the Broncos get found out slightly because they've been winning these games. Was it five in a row now they've got? Yeah, and, um, yeah they're on a big streak. Um, they are. And, uh, but yes, back in the Texans for that. I'm excited about that one. And then we've got another divisional game. Um if we're correct and the Lions beat the Saints and then potentially with the Bucks beat the Panthers, which is this next game that's coming up, which is what I think is going to happen. I don't know if you agree. That means the Buccaneers could go above the Saints in that division. So, you know, yeah, it's and all, if, all and to play they, for. And if the Jets beat the Falcons, then they could all be on the same record as well. Well, I'm back in the Buccaneers to beat the Panthers, right? Yeah. The Buccaneers, sorry, the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers. Um, <laughs> Buccaneers. Good one. Baker um, and Evans and Co. Definitely. Yeah. There was a couple of worrying defensive moments from the Buccaneers at the weekend. They made a couple of small yeah. defensive decisions that were errors. Other than that, I thought they looked good. And if we've got Baker barreling around out there doing his angry runs, I think they'll dominate the Panthers. Then at SoFi, your Rams are taking on yeah. those bully boy Browns. 
Yeah, Rams win for me. The Browns and how disappointed they were against the Broncos with DTR and the centre and might be this split between PJ and, and DTR and for the Browns. It's just not all looking so good for the Browns, whereas earlier this year they were just dominating teams with their defence and decent quarterback play with, with Deshaun. For me, it's a Rams win. Right, I've gone Rams too. I thought the Rams would beat the Browns. They're great defensively, but they just don't seem to have it all clicking together in offence. And Rams just looked quite convincing last week. So potentially again, our next game, Rob, not a slobber It is what can only be described as a humdinger. We've got a conference game. The uh, San Francisco 49ers are taking on the brotherly shove Philadelphia Eagles. I'll put it straight out there. Even though it's in Philadelphia, I think the Niners are going to win because they haven't got any injuries. They're not carrying anything when they're 100% fit as they are. I think they're the best team in their conference. Yeah, and and, and you know what? I'm going for the Niners win um, as well. I, I know it would be interesting to go against you just for the sake of that, but I I, I just think the Nine. I, I want to see the Niners do what I expected them to do last season in, in the conference final before Purdy got injured and they couldn't play a quarterback game and it ended up being a non-contest for such a kind of key, kind of a highly anticipated entrance into the Super Bowl. So for me, Niners too, but it's going to be an absolute cracker. I'm, yeah, I've, I've normally felt fallen asleep or gone to bed after the six o'clock games, but I think I might have to be staying up for this one to watch it all the way yeah. through live. Chiefs versus Packers, next game up. Chiefs. Yep, makes sense, doesn't it? It yeah. does. I think the Packers had their day last week. I don't think we'll see the same thing yeah. twice. Yeah, even though it's in Green Bay and it'll be cold up there, I still think the Chiefs can put it together. And if they play as they did those second, third and fourth quarter of last week, they're going to be a tough team to beat. But it's whether or not they can do that, whether Rishi Rice gets the ball again in the same way, Kelsey's not distracted. We've got to have all of those stars aligning and the Chiefs, yeah, I just doubt the Packers have got it. So Chiefs it is. Then we've got a matchup between animals. Two big cats prowling around on yeah. Monday night football. We've got the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars keep up their winning ways? Good couple of weeks now. Can they do the same thing this week against the slightly lacklustered, injured, king its wounds, Bengals who are at the bottom of that hyper-competitive AFC North. Yeah, for me, it's a Jags win. It'd be really interesting because, again, with the Ravens on a bye week, Jags win, if the Chiefs win, if the Dolphins win, it then puts four teams on nine and three all across the AFC, all vying for that number one. Wow, you know, it does, yeah. Seeding. Uh, number one seeding and, and, and the bye. So that one thing we didn't talk about earlier, the Bengals with Browning under centre for a whole game, it didn't click. It didn't Not many things happened that well for them. It's, it's going to be tough going for the Bengals to get things clicking and going. So, uh, yeah, that's a Jags win for me. So we've both got it. Looking at it, we've got two games this week we've chosen differently. Great. Could be another draw this week. Rob, we got nine each last week. Could be again this week. Hoping to claw it back. I'd like to get one more than you. <laughs> but the reality is it's not going to be one more. It's going to be two or the same. So yeah. <laughs> it could be the turning tables. I could be sitting two ahead of you <laughs> next week. Who could knows? Be. Right. Could be. Or I could be two. Or I could be two behind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great stuff. Lovely to chat to you, Rob. Really, really looking forward to that 49ers-Eagles games. As you say, it's, it seems like one worth being a bit tired for uh, on Monday morning. 
if you've got any content you'd like to add or if you want to send us an email i know that dan c may have wanted to send an email last week after rob emphatically backing the lions and seeing them lose <laughs> again but we haven't heard, had anything in the inbox this week so we might have something next week if the same happens again if you do want to get in touch the emails on the bio for the pods um other than that we'll catch you next week enjoy your nfl for the unlucky week 13. take care of yourself buddy thank you bye bye